Welcome to Are We Missing the Point podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shepard, also known as the Whiskey Preacher. Today, my guest is the right reverend, amazing Keisha Parker. Thank you so much for coming in here. Yes, I put right reverend in there. I heard that. I see what you did there. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I can tell you're going to get me back later for that. Uh-huh, I, I will. Uh, yes, you will. Thank you for having me today. You are welcome. I didn't call you Bishop. I didn't call you, you know, I didn't compare you to T.D. Jakes, did I? You know what? Bishop works too. This, this okay, Bishop. That's awesome. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. Josh asked me who, I was telling you right before we started recording, Josh asked me who was one of the, like my dream list of who I wanted on the podcast, and you were at the top of my list, and I'm so excited that you're here. Very cool. Very cool. And so, t- tell us a little bit about what you do, and 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 how that affects your everyday rhythms of life, because I want the folks, if they don't know who you are... Um, I want them to know who you are. They should know who you are because you're you're a speaker, you're an author, but you're also a therapist as well. And I want to hear about those things, and I want folks to hear about those things. Okay, well, Bishop, said, right, Reverend. As you said, my day job is as a licensed psychotherapist. I am in private practice here in the Indianapolis, Indiana area, um, and so I see clients. Monday through Thursday, um, individuals, couples, and families. I see children and adults, adolescents, and the whole nine. Um, I also am a licensed and ordained clergy. I recently resigned uh, from a position as an elder in an affirming LGBT, LGBTQ affirming Black Pentecostal church here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, wow. Those are rare. Yeah, so um, I, uh, before you go any further, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about that place, if you want to. Well, that particular place is one that seems to be trying to engage a certain point, but isn't quite hitting the point. Um, They're still missing the point. Still missing the point. So trying to create a safe space for LGBTQIA people to be able to engage God in their own Pentecostal charismatic way um, and still be affirmed, you know, with regards to their intimacy, sexuality, and gender. However, um, the theology that is presented from the pulpit, as well as the methodology, seems to be pretty antiquated mm. um, and very conservative. So it's very difficult to be progressive in that space and hear conservative, antiquated rhetoric on a regular basis from the pulpit and and, and i've often seen you post as as a member of that community uh, the lgbt and and what's the rest of the initials excuse me i don't want to screw them up lgbt lgbtqia i am definitely an ally yeah as am i yeah okay Mm -hmm. And so being an ally and I would imagine, especially being an ally in the African-American community, it causes 
ripple effects. A- am I correct in that, or is that a dumb white privileged? And uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely, it absolutely. Is. There's definitely, definitely uh, a ripple effect. There's definitely okay. pushback. I mean, because uh, you know, I jokingly call this podcast my white privileged white male privileged podcast. Gotcha. So, <laughs> so, yeah, tell me a little bit about how that ripple effect goes. I mean, what does that look like? Because that, well, that's truly cutting edge stuff. Yes, and I'm sure it varies from state to state. I'm in Indiana, which is very conservative uh, in and of itself. So, and very slow and in many ways backwards. So, with that being said, um, I think at this point there's more division, meaning there are people on one side who are very supportive, who really don't go to church. And these are black people I'm talking about. Sure, yeah, yeah. But then you have other people on the other side of that that are regular church attendees or whatever, and they're not supportive of LGBTQIA rights or anything else. They are not affirming, even if they are actually members of that community and don't identify that way. So it mm. could be somebody who definitely, you know, who is gay, who may not identify themselves that way just because of the pushback they would get from the religious community that they choose to remain a part of. Do you think it is extreme? Do you think it's more difficult in America, especially in the climate that we are today and come January um, with the president elect, do you think it will be harder for African-Americans to claim their sexuality or do you think it will be repressed more? I don't believe that it will be, I don't believe that the presidential candidacy will have a lot to do with whether or not people are uh, black people choose to embrace their sexuality or not. I don't think it will carry a lot of weight. Okay. To be honest with you. No, 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 that's fair. That's fair. And, but, so what do you think the, I guess the number one struggle for African American who identifies as a part of the LGBTQIP? Is that right? Did I say that right? IA, A as in asexuality. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and some people say the A is for allies. I would say that it's religion. It's religion and it's stigma. So, um, because we have such religious roots or what have you, um, and, and, and very and, religious here in Indiana. And culturally, uh, what, what is that stigma, though? For specifically for the African American community, like, like well, well especially for especially for black males. I mean, it's it's a negativity uh, against them across the board. It's a sign of weakness. Um, you know, there there's name calling that comes with uh, identifying that way. I think as a culture, we're getting healthier um, and having some healthier ways to have some dialogue about intimacy, sexuality, and gender. But I still think we have a long way to go, particularly within the black church. So Mm. people are still hiding and lying about who they are, um, mainly church people or churched people. Uh, And it seems like there has to be this dichotomy of if you're going to go to church, then you can't embrace who you are versus if you're going to embrace who you are, then you can't do that openly and be a part of a black, particularly black Pentecostal church gotcha. in this area. Let's go back in the conversation just a little bit. 
I want to ask the question, how does an African-American ordained charismatic woman become a psychoanalyst? I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're um, mutually exclusive. And I actually think they work hand in hand with one another. And I wish we had more of them. Uh, more as do, as black do ordained clergy who are actually trained, licensed mental health professionals. I wish, I wish more of us existed. Yeah. Well, I just wish, I mean, for any race, I wish that existed. I got you. So, I mean, so t- t- tell me, I mean, what did that journey look like for you? Why, why, um, why, why, why go into the, the field of psychology? Because I grew up spending most of my time in church and I saw that clergy were not trained to deal with some of the issues that came across their desk. And instead of being a help, um, they actually did more disservice to some of the people that they were trying to serve. They also did a disservice to themselves oftentimes. So some of the issues that weren't being addressed, they were being ignored or they were being mishandled. I felt like needed some professionalism. And so I decided that I would be one to bridge the gap between the church and the field of psychology, the black church and the field of psychology, which the gap was pretty wide. It's enclosing a bit as, you know, clergy people are starting to embrace um, psychobabble and some of their sermons. They're starting to see some of the worth and the value of the field of psychology and professional counseling and things of that nature. But there's still more work to be done. Do you, would you say it's a, a fair assessment that that is true for all clergy? Around? No, I think it's some, I think it's most, mostly true for the older ones. Okay. Um, for the younger ones, the millennials that are coming along, they're starting to get it. Um, sure. but some of the older folks are still kind of skeptical about, you know, this field in general until things get bad enough where their hands are tied and they feel like, okay, what else can we try? Mm. Mm. I, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't like it, but you know what I mean? It, it, it I think that's a solid, healthy answer. Mm-hmm. And, and as we journey to find the point, whatever that may be for that community, um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head that, it is it is changing. The culture is changing. I think millennials in particular um, just don't give a shit. Yeah. And I love that about them. You know, I, I find that and – I, and I've said this before uh, on the podcast, but I, I think that we as Generation X are doing to them what the boomers did to us. You know, we, we, we bitch about – they're ADD. We bitch about the fact that they're always on their phones. We bitch about blah, 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 this and this. And the fact is, is that they're more interconnected than we ever were. And, and, and they just right. don't give a shit about these issues. Like they do. It's just not an issue though. That's what I think is beautiful about it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and so I just, I, I'm so excited for that. I, I'm not necessarily excited for the church in general. Um, and and I know that's hard to say, being a pastor for 22 years. Maybe that's why I am saying it. But, but I overall am hopeful for 
this generation. I have hope for them. I have hope for our country because of them. I have, and that's a very odd thing to say in the midst of everything that's going on. But I do, I do, I really have hope that um, the things that we grapple with issues as issues, they don't. Yeah, I agree. So I'm just curious from like a sociological standpoint, when they start having kids, what is going to be their bitch about them? <laughs> be interesting to find that out. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to find out. I hope, hopefully I'll be around to be able to see that. Oh, wow. Mm. I think it'll be interesting. It will be interesting. It will be interesting. And so tell me a little bit more about, so you also, you go around speaking. You're also an author as well. Tell us a little bit about some of the things you you go and speak on. You are invited to speak upon, and things you like to write about. What is the gospel of Keisha Parker that you're trying to spread? Most of the time, I'm invited to speak about things, all things mental health, uh, particularly in the black community, or with regards to what's happening in the black community here locally. Um, so. A lot of black churches, which I'm glad. That's why I'm saying I see the gap closing because now they're asking the professionals to come in and have these conversations about mental health and they're being more open to it. Mm. And that's what I went to school for. That's why I did this, because it's going to take one of their own kind in order for them to be open to listening to this conversation. And I'm one of them. Um, writing is the same thing. I love to speak about writing. I love, I mean, I love to speak about mental health and I like to write about mental health, um, particularly as it pertains to the church and the black Mm -hmm. church and the things that I saw growing up and the dysfunction that I saw growing up and the dysfunction that I still see, uh, amongst clergymen and women who are in leadership in black churches and some of the things that they can do to take better care of themselves. So that's mostly what I focus on at this time when it comes to uh, writing and speaking. And and without divulging any personal information, but do you actually uh, do therapy with a lot of clergy? I wouldn't say a lot. I think they're still playing with it in their heads, still kind of swirling around. Um, But I do have some. And I think that's going to change. I think more of them are going to come as they are seeing a need um, to take better care of themselves. And I'm excited about that. And plus, they're my peers. They're my colleagues. Sure. So, again, to be one of them makes them more open to listening to what I have to say. I was going to say, one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got, I'll never forget, Dr. Ruth Ann Foster, my first semester in seminary. She told me this. She said, every good pastor has a good therapist. I agree. And that was revolutionary for me. You know, I mean, I and it's what's kept me sane, honestly, and healthy. I would have to agree with that. I have a therapist. You do? Absolutely. I've had a therapist for eight years, which is the same length of time that I've been practicing. As long well. as I do practice, I will always have a therapist. What do you find is the biggest struggle for you? Do you, do you take do you take work home with you? I do not. You do not. You you found a healthy way to to let that be. Absolutely, I don't bring it home after I first meet a person and I hear their story, like a new client. I hear their story for the first time, depending on you know how bad it is or how heavy it is or how close to home it is for me. 
I may bring it home maybe the first session or two, and then after that, it's totally compartmentalized somewhere else gotcha. in my brain. No, that, I mean, I think that's great. I mean, and I think that's healthy. I think I, I wish we all could to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's hard not to take your work home with you, especially when you're dealing with, like you said, heavy topics. Right. Mm. Well, once again, we have Bishop Right Reverend Keisha Parker here on. <laughs> She's going to hate me for that. I'm totally going to get uh, uh, whacked for that later. Um, but she's here on Are We Missing the Point podcast. We're going to go to our commercial break here a moment, and then we'll be right back. Today, we embark on a journey. Hey guys, it's Josh Mitchell, the producer on Are We Missing the Point. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're still working on growing this thing as far as listenership, so if you're willing to help us out with spreading the word, we would... Wow, we would love you forever. The best place to follow us would be either our SoundCloud or our iTunes page. SoundCloud is uh, easy to use. It has lots of tools for sharing and for following artists that you like. So I would start out there. If you don't have SoundCloud or if it's just easier for you to use the podcast app on your iPhone, you can search for us on iTunes. Just search Are We Missing the Point podcast or just Are We Missing the Point on iTunes and you can find us there. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or give us an iTunes review and both help us out greatly as far as our standings on the iTunes page. We also post on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to announce our episodes when they're released. So you can follow us at facebook.com slash podcast. Just give that page a like and you'll be able to see anytime we upload a new episode or make some kind of post. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at AWMTP Podcast. And on Instagram, we are at AWMTP underscore podcast. We'd like to thank the band The Digital Age for allowing us to use their song for our intro and outro music. That song is I Can See It's Coming off of their album Galaxies, which you can find on iTunes and at their website, thedigitalagestore.com. That's thedigitalagestore.com, all one word, smushed together. Finally, if you have any suggestions or comments about the show, or if you know of a guest we could interview on the show, email us at point at gmail.com. Alright, let's get back to the interview with Kisha Parker, but first we have just one quick advertisement from a sponsor of the show. This week's sponsor is Terry Shanks Knives. These beautiful and functional works of art can be used for hunting, self-protection, or even just as display pieces. They are that pretty. They are all handcrafted custom blades, and they are made to order. So if you order a knife from Terry, it may take some time, but I assure you, they are worth the wait. But don't take my word for it. Check them out for yourself at Instagram.com slash Terry Shanks and Facebook.com slash Terry Shanks Knives. For any inquiries, you can contact Terry at Terry Shanks Knives at gmail.com. Welcome back to Are We Missing the Point podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shepard, also known as the Whiskey Preacher. And today, again, we have in our studio, Keisha Parker, the one and only. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for having me. So this last portion of the podcast, I get to ask the real fun stuff that I've been wanting to ask. 
Okay. How many pairs of shoes do you actually fucking have? Really? Yeah, because I am jealous. Like, I am not joking. Every time you get a new pair, I'm like lusting. That's why I keep telling you I'm a size 13. If you ever get like a buy one, get one free, I will take a pair of Jordan. I'll take anything. I am a sneakerhead to the full. So how many yeah. pairs of shoes do you have? I honestly do not know. Um, I would. I'm gonna estimate around a thousand. I was gonna say, how many? Uh, do you get a Do you get a new pair of shoes like every other week? Sometimes twice. No, week? no. What happens is I will buy five or six pair at a time. Oh. So I go out shopping and or not shopping. I just saw something I liked and couldn't make a decision about. This one over here or that one over there. So just get all of them. That's so awesome. Do you have a favorite pair? Do you have a favorite pair right now? I don't because I, I like all of them. Which uh, which pair started it all for you? We all have that one pair. I know what pair it was for me. My very first oh, pair see. of original Jordans in 1984 from Nordstrom's. They were red and black. See, I had a pair of uh, Reebok and I had a pair of Kangaroo. I was six years old in first grade, and my mother always bought me a pair of shoes to play in and then another pair of shoes to go to school in. She had school shoes and you play shoes. And once she multiplied my shoes like that, I've just been in the habit ever since I was six. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, so do you have a favorite brand now, I should say? Let's go there. Um, I don't. I I wear a lot of Vans, New Balances, Adidas, all of it. I mean, if you ever uh, get down to Fort Worth, I'm going to take you to the Vans outlet here. It's amazing. Oh, there's an outlet for Vans. Yeah, like, and it's just straight up like like a real outlet prices. Like you'll walk away with fifty pairs of shoes. Seriously. Oh wow. I mean, and they yeah. it is amazing what they have. It is awesome. And yeah. And it's right across the street yeah. from the Converse uh store too. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to come and check that out. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Okay, so next question. I know we only have a few minutes left and I want to respect your time. So next question is bow ties. What started the bow tie? Because that's um, like I've one been of your seeing trademarks. some girls wear them, and I kind of liked how they looked, and I just thought I would experiment, and I liked it. So whenever I find one that looks a little feminine, then I pick it up, like if it's got pink or purple or something in it, some girly colors, then I'll pick it up because those are the colors that are a regular part of my wardrobe anyway. So that's just awesome. And okay, and your glasses the same. I don't know how the glasses thing started. I really don't. I don't even think I intentionally did that. It just. Do you know how many pairs of glasses you have? I don't, but they are all in one place. I could probably count them one day and I would be able to know. (laughs) One day, not right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Oh, that is. uh, Man, you have a shoe collection I'm envious of. You have an eyeglass collection I'm envious of. And of, and I and I love your bow ties. I mean, you may say they're funum. I think they're style. I would wear them. I think they're awesome. Awesome, awesome. A lot of stuff is unisex these days, anyway. I and I, yeah. and I love that as well. I do. I yeah. Do. Okay, so where can folks find you? You have a website. You have a Facebook page. Yes, no. You have a Twitter, Instagram, all that place. 
Where can people find you? I am on Instagram and Twitter as Pretty Shrink, just the way it sounds, P-R-E-T-T-Y-S-H-R-I-N-K. I can be emailed at prettyshrink uh, at gmail.com and my Facebook page for Healing Pathways Counseling and Consulting LLC, which is my practice, is www.facebook.com backslash pretty shrink, just the way and that is it the, sounds. Is the pretty shrink... Is she taking any more new clients uh, locally? Pretty Shrink is taking new clients locally. Okay. Actually, I just and took a new one today. Awesome. And and do you ever do uh, long distance, like Skype-type uh, counseling? So if folks wanted to get a hold of you somehow it, and they wanted to hire you to do some therapy with them, have you ever done that at all? I do consultation via long distance. I wouldn't do therapy long distance because in order to do therapy – I have to be licensed in that person's state, sure. so I can only do therapy with people who are in my same state where I am licensed here in Indiana. But, but consultation, you, absolutely. And you can help point people the right way. Exactly. Well, Bishop, Right Reverend Keisha Parker, please don't <laughs> hit me for that. I, I'll promise I'll take you to the Vans Outlet in Texas, and we'll get you some shoes so you don't hit me too hard. All right, that sounds awesome. Thank you so much for being on here. It was so fun. And again, just you're a rock star. I'll publicly announce I have I I non creeper again have a Facebook crush on you. I think you're brilliant. I love what you do. I love to me you are you're helping people find the point. Honestly, all, all bullshit aside, I I think it's beautiful what you do, and and thank you for doing it. Thank you for having me on your podcast, and I appreciate your compliments, your crush, and for understanding what I do for a living. I think it's brilliant, and thank you so much for being on here. No problem.